Hello, everybody, and welcome to episode 39 of the Print Design Podcast. This is the show where we are talking to graphic designers and creatives about incredible print projects that they have created and been a part of. I'm your host, Dave Hopkins, print fan for, gosh, 20-plus years now. Been involved in the print industry for a long time, and I just enjoy talking print, talking with graphic designers who love print, whether that's books or packaging or stationery, whatever it is, love talking print. Today on the show, my guest is Jasmine Welch. She's a graphic designer who specializes in book design, working as Fleck Creative, now out of Toronto, Ontario, Canada. During this episode, we talk about what led her to book design, the journey to being that book designer, some of her favorite projects, some of her early print inspirations, all that, and so much more. So buckle up, because this is a gem of an episode. Jasmine is incredible to chat with, and you're gonna love this. So that's enough of me talking. Let's just get it going here. Cue the intro. Welcome to the Print Design Podcast, the show where we talk about all things print and packaging. We go behind the scenes with designers and talk about the print projects they designed that really rocked their world. From file prep to holding the finished product in their hand and all the key decisions in between. So let's talk ink on paper. Jasmine, welcome to the Print Design Podcast. How are you? Hi, I'm great, thanks. How are you doing? Fantastic. We are experiencing reasonably similar weather, you know, being 40 minutes apart here. Yes, definitely. The heat is here. The heat is here, and I'm down in, like, the basement, what I call the dungeon of the house, and it's the coldest here and it's it's not cold. It's yes. it's not cold today. <laughs> yeah, I've got all the windows closed for a nice sound, but I'm I'm starting to roast up. I can feel it. <laughs> awesome. Yeah. Well, I can fix it in post if you start like sweating and like it's pouring yeah. down your face. <laughs> awesome. Well, I'm glad we can connect. I'm excited to get into print. You know, being a book designer, you've been around all different types of books and prints and binding. And I want to talk more about that. I want to hear about your journey to print design and how you got started with all this. Yeah, for sure. Thanks for having me. I can't wait to chat print with you. Awesome. Well, let's start it off with the toughest question that I have to ask. And that's simply just tell us a little bit about yourself. That is always the hardest question. I don't <laughs> want- how do you define yourself? Yeah. Um, I guess from a work, dis- a work perspective, I'm a graphic designer who focuses on books. So I call myself a book designer, which usually gets some strange faces these days. Um, I think people think books just magically come into being for the most part. <laughs> so uh, yeah, I say I'm a book designer. I work in both the trade, which is, you know, uh, big companies like Penguin Random House. I don't work with them, but that's kind of like what everyone thinks of when they think of a trade publisher, um, as well as self-published books. Uh, so an author who just wants to put their story out into the world. So that's my work life. But um, me as a person, I am an obsessed dog mom. I love my dog so much. It's it's borderline obsessive for sure. Um, being out of Vancouver, love hiking. And uh, yeah, I just love getting outside. 
Awesome. Well, That's a great intro. You've been rehearsing. <laughs> I mean, I am as like Emma is my dog is the biggest part of my life right now. Aside from I'm, I am getting married this summer. So I have to say my, my soon to be husband, but uh, <laughs> Ooh, we're both dog, obsessed with our dog. Got some competition. Okay. Yeah. Okay. That's good. <laughs> Perfect. So give me this. How did you get into book design? Like, how did that become your specialty? What you were known for? Give me the brief story there. Yeah, it's, um, I think a lot of people get into publishing in very strange ways, because it's not something that you see a lot of people doing uh, when you're kind of moving through design. So I actually went to school for fashion design. I was on the sewing side of the Ryerson program in Toronto. And then I realized that it seemed like I'd probably end up a seamstress. <laughs> and if I got lucky, I could maybe be a fashion designer, but that uh, it, it didn't seem like something I wanted to do anymore. So I mm-hmm. switched to communications and in the fashion program still, we were doing a lot of web and communications, some app design, some, um, you know, editorial work. And I thought I would really want to do magazine editorial. And I was focusing on that for a little while. And then I got to my last year where we could do a thesis um, on pretty much anything we wanted. And that's when I studied the difference between print and digital experiences and how that kind of, and I did some user testing and just really talked to people about how they, uh, you know, want to read in both mediums. And that's where I really fell in love with books. And I still, at that point, I didn't think I could do it full time. So it was just kind of on the back burner, hoping to work on a project here and there. It's kind of a difficult industry to get into. And then it just started kind of more and more books came my way over time until I was full time, nothing but books from here on out. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> so were you putting putting this out there that, you know, book design, you, you, like the work you're putting out and sharing in your portfolio is editorial based, it's book covers, like, were you putting that kind of work out there trying to pull that stuff in? Um, not at the beginning. I was, as soon as I graduated university, I went to, um, into like project management at a marketing firm. So I was doing graphic design with them and a little bit of like still like photography on the side. I think just early graphic design, just doing whatever I could to get work. And then anything under that creative umbrella. (laughs) Yeah, for sure. And I worked with a lot of freelancers in the project management role and I was just kind of getting, I guess, jealous. You could say that they were doing all the fun stuff. So that's when I quit my kind of corporate marketing gig and started my own business. Um, But at the beginning of my business, it was definitely, you know, a couple books here and there surrounded by all the other graphic product projects. I was doing logos and brochures, posters, all sorts of stuff um, until I could really just focus on books. (laughs) So it wasn't a direct, I honestly didn't think it was a a direct career path. I always thought it was something that people kind of did on the side unless you were in-house, but uh, then it kind of, it happened on its own, which was nice. (laughs) You're slowly moving toward it. Like that's the spot that you want to be. It starts feeling good as you're moving toward that and getting closer to that. At what point, like, do you remember the moment where you're like, I'm a book designer? (laughs) What I do. Gradual transition. I actually did, you know, the reason why I'm from Toronto and I moved out to Vancouver three years ago is because I decided to do my master's in publishing. And so that was an active step towards the book design career. Um, because, you know, as most people do, I went onto LinkedIn and I was like, who are the people that have my dream job and what do they do to get there? So I was researching all the schools and um, the Simon Fraser public in, uh, publishing mm-hmm. master's program is the only one in Canada. So I figured I should come here. 
parent to it. <laughs> and uh, I think that was a big step to get my foot in the door of the bigger publishing world where people mm-hmm. would know your name and you get introduced to the contacts so that you're you're just out more easily as a book designer than if you you know didn't make those contacts. So that that was, of course, a huge step in the right direction. <laughs> yeah, that phrase, you know, it's all about who you know. That is yeah. no joke. That is super legit. Yeah, definitely. <laughs> so I want to talk a little bit about um, childhood, Jasmine. I want to know, you know, back in the day, what your earliest memory of print or packaging could be. Maybe a Christmas gift that you remember opening and you remember the box or, or whatever it is. Is something from your childhood, your teens? What's your earliest memory of print or packaging? Um, I definitely have always been a bit of a pack rat. So when you say boxes, I immediately just think of storing a million little dual ring boxes around my house. My mom was always, she called me bag lady. So I just had stuff everywhere in little compartments. And, you know, I would take pieces from puzzles and put them in little sections all over. Um, But I do have a few funny early memories that just seem like such kind of serendipitous foreshadowing to being a book designer. And it's kind of wild when I start to think about it more deeply because there was, I'm not sure if you know the program. Um, I think it's called Dreamweaver or Storybook Weaver. It's a I've really heard of it, old, but I don't know much more than that. Yeah. It's, it's a really old like floppy disk game that mm-hmm. I would play. It wasn't not really a game. You're literally making a book essentially. And you would drag and drop clip art, put the text in, and then I would print it out and kind of staple them together. Um, yes. And then there was, you know, all those, Klutz craft kits. I don't know if you ever had those either. But no, those, I haven't heard of that one. And maybe I, I think they're like bankrupt now or something. I haven't seen them in a really long time. But Klutz craft kits, if they are still around, highly recommend. I think they'd be even fun for adults. But I did have like a little um, book kit from them too, so I'd make tons of like miniature-sized books, um, which is just so funny to think about that. That's what I spent my time doing. I was a very quiet child who my parents would lose quite often because I would just be yeah. like lost in another world doing something on my own. <laughs> it sounds a lot like my my second born loves like little things, collecting yeah. little things. She likes making little books and little um little boxes and little jewelry boxes. They have these um oh, I don't even know what they're called, but these mini sort of grocery items. It's basically taking like real grocery products, chocolate bars and juice boxes and things like that and shrinking them down to like one twenty fifth the scale. Yeah. And, and you sell them and buy them like that. And you can basically buy these, I think they're sold in like plastic balls. Oh yes. I've seen those. Yeah. yeah, You open it up. (laughs) It's all these little tiny grocery products. She loves those things. Just obsessed with those things. And they're really like really detailed. Mm -hmm. Yeah, my I have young cousins who have shown me those with great excitement. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Look at this. I'm like, yeah, it's like the one I'm eating. Yeah, no, but it's smaller. <laughs> Everything tiny is adorable. I get it. <laughs> yeah, hundred so percent. The the klutz craft gets. I have to look that up. Maybe it's just the name that that's thrown me off. But I'm. Yeah, they did like friendship bracelets, like all huge range of crafts. But there was one specifically that was like little miniature book binding. And you would yeah. make a tiny book. Um, and I think they even had, I remember doing a hardcover one too, where I got like the white glue out, you paste it together and you could make a book jacket and you actually stitch the binding together. So that was, that was pretty cool to do that early on. And I basically like drew the book on the inside because I knew nothing about printing. I just kind of put it together and then put the book inside. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's so fun. So, yeah. So Klutz, I'm going to have to look that up after this just to see if the, 
if the, anything visual helps me out and remember that. Yeah. Okay. Perfect. Now, fast forwarding, what about recently? Have you had any recent interactions with print or packaging that really surprised you or you really enjoyed? Yeah, I feel like my I'm mostly aware of books more than mm-hmm. anything, of course. Yep. Um, so yeah, I think, is it bad if I say it's a book? <laughs> no, of course not. <laughs> great intro. Um, there's a book called The Look of the Book that I just came across um, in chapters ago, which if anyone listening is a uh, a member of the publishing industry, will say, how dare you? <laughs> like, why were you in Indigo? Because we're all very anti-Indigo um, because of, you know, the publishing industry is really small and it's really hard to uh, sell books with a big conglomerate like that. So that's a whole side. That's a different episode. But uh, I was in there doing some kind of market research taking pictures of uh, comp titles and things like that. And uh, I came across this book that was about book covers, hilariously enough, and it was just gorgeous. And I think as a designer, when I picture, since I know about print and what things cost, just seeing the amount of special features that were in this book, it just seemed like such a wonderful like passion project that someone must have thrown money at or had investor money or something <laughs> but it was so beautiful the look of the book it has um i think like a raised uh gloss area on the front and some foil and little sections of books um and uh, like little smaller um booklets inside the book itself as well to describe different sections it's just so stunning and just full color throughout colored paper it's amazing That's <laughs> highly <cool>. recommend <laughs> you know what that kind of reminds me of is the when I was a kid, the the book series Goosebumps was mm. like huge and I was super into Goosebumps books. And some of them had like glow-in-the-dark covers. They all had like embossed raised text on the covers. Yeah. Um, some of them had like sandpaper finish. Some of them were scratch and sniff. Like they all had these like unique different print finishes along with the standard brand of like the embossed Goosebumps logo. Mm-hmm. And I just, I remember that so distinctly that that yeah. being such a cool thing, not knowing what I was looking at or feeling. Yeah, the publishing industry has changed so much because I, I can't even think of one book off the top of my head, at least like the Goosebumps series that would go into that much production detail right now, just because of like the cost of paper and printing now. So mm-hmm. I feel like there's a lot of older experiences and more kind of mass market books that actually took the care to do those kind of finishes. So I do remember those. <laughs> yeah, awesome. But here's like the comparison, you know, getting goosebumps in your hand with a glow in the dark ink on the front as a kid versus getting a a goosebumps ebook on your ipad (laughs) totally different experiences and that will you know register with you completely differently Mm -hmm. yeah i feel like print just transports you in a way that digital doesn't yet. And that's, that is why I studied um, print and digital in university, because when I was doing my undergrad, that's when the iPad came out. So it was kind of changing the industry in vast ways. And that's, you know, when the depth of print was introduced, everyone was like, oh, books are going to be obsolete soon. And it that just never seemed like an option in my mind, because the experience is so different. You can't trade one experience for another. It just is more market share spread out in different ways. But mm-hmm. Yeah, the iPad, we were just really trying to figure out how to make digital publications that looked beautiful, had their own unique, uh, you know, ways of storytelling that made sense of the medium. But, you know, it still just didn't compare and there were flaws and accessibility issues and no one's actually seemingly been able to crack the code of how to make a really beautiful 
digital publication, even I think Google Books did a huge experimentation process on that. And then it kind of failed because they were too expensive and you can't sell a digital book for, you know, hundreds of dollars like you could a really fancy print book. It just isn't, it's a just totally different world. A hundred percent. It's a completely different experience with a, you know, with an ebook, you can open up and maybe you could link a video, maybe you could link a photo or you could, you could create some experiences like that. Mm-hmm. But with, with print, you're, you're, you can exercise so many more senses yeah. in what you're creating that becomes just so, uh, so much greater of an experience that, you know, will stick around in your memory for longer. Mm-hmm. Yeah, absolutely. And, and part of my research was to look into things like reader retention mm-hmm. and legibility and things like that. And, and when you actually think about people remembering what's on the page, people have a way harder time remembering what they read on a digital publication. And I, I did very small amount of testing on this, but I, I did the print publication and a digital publication and then interviewed a bunch of people. And they had to read two different stories and no one remembered the story on the digital piece because they were still trying to figure out how to use it. There was too much going on and then they're scrolling and they're having more fun with the interactivity than actually reading. (laughs) So a book just, you know, it's the interaction between two spreads. You can remember where things are and and not to say that that won't change in the future with a generation that's, you know, growing up digital. Maybe they'll, you know, be more used, used to the interface and not get as distracted as we were in like the 2010 space of new iPads, but it was, it was eye-opening for sure. And I, I'm definitely pro print over digital. <laughs> of pro course, print, that's represent, <laughs> yeah. that's why we're here. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> awesome. Well, with this next one, you had sent me a couple of pictures of, I think this project, which is the very first project print project that you were a part of um, the mm-hmm. first one that you ever produced. And I didn't really look at the pictures cause I wanted to sort of like experience it viscerally with you and just like in the moment. For so I'm sure. going to pull that up on the screen and just tell me about that. This being the first print project you ever produced. Awesome. So yeah, I, before this, I would have only, you know, printed probably things at Staples Office Depot for class. That's, that's the only thing that happened prior mm. to this project. And this is actually the output of that research that I was talking about from my undergrad. So oh, cool. um, it's the book that I produced, the, the print version of the digital version that was based on my research in reader retention, usability, um, aesthetics, all of that kind of stuff all built into one publication because I went to school for fashion and had to have some tiny connection to fashion. So this book is, um, it's a, it's called contour, which is the fashion illustration journal. It's um, on issue.com for free. If anyone wants to kind of scroll through and read it, but, um, it's, I, you know, hired some of my classmates to do drawings for me and reached out to a a fashion illustrator that I really respect who does live runway drawing to get this illustration here. Mm -hmm. Um, And we produced some articles and put them in and and laid this out. And it, it was kind of my first experience laying out a publication. I worked with an amazing professor who I still just absolutely appreciated the opportunity to work with um, called Graham Lynch in my fourth year at Ryerson. And he really helped me, you know, learn typography for the first time, lay out um, all the good stuff with grid systems and all of that. And it was just such a fantastic experience and to actually create a book. And it was also my first experience with getting print quotes because we had to print at least around 10 copies to get it into this gallery exhibit for my fourth year, mm-hmm. as well as um, to actually, you know, be able to share it with our professors. And it was just 
so hard to print 10 copies of a book. I'm sure you can imagine it, especially knowing nothing about printing at that time. I was just like (laughs) trying to get quotes, figuring it out. It was a custom size because I didn't know anything about standard sizes. I just Mm -hmm. went to, um, I think I ended up spending like $600 or something like that to print 10 books. (laughs) It was wild, Um, but it had to be done. So it, it was just... Yeah, I I still love this project to this day, partially because it's what led me to where I am now, but Mm -hmm. also because there's a lot of um, there's a lot of love that went into this. It was a year long project with the research and um, iterations and usability testing and all of that. So did you get the chance to like pick the paper stocks you wanted and like really get custom with it? Or was it something that you just had to had to roll with? It was a little bit of custom. Um, I worked with a company, and again, I'm not sure if they're still around, called Standard Form in Toronto. And Mm -hmm. it was a really cool shop because I actually got to go in and meet the team. And uh, because I I didn't even understand how to make a spine, what that meant with (laughs) paper thickness. So they were kind of showing me the difference. And and they they worked with me uh, and were so, so lovely to work with for someone who had you know, no experience. So they were very patient with me and helping me kind of cut the page countdown in order to be able to afford, you know, I was like, no more than $600, please. We need to get this price down. (laughs) This is a student project. Um, So they were very, very helpful. And I didn't have a lot of, you know, ability to select cover finishes and things like that. It was, you know, being a student is a struggle, but it, it was still a lovely experience nonetheless. And I know I wanted uncoated stock on the interior um, because I don't have very vibrant photos in here. So I wanted them to kind of like sit back uh, with the text. And yeah, it was just, it was a lovely first print experience. That's for sure. <laughs> that's awesome. And, you know, finding a shop that is so encouraging and supportive of, you know, a seemingly small project, a student mm-hmm. thing, like that sort of reinvestment into design education and print education is so important right now. Yeah. Um, any chance that I get to give a tour of a print shop to show mm-hmm. off like how this stuff actually gets made and how it comes to life um, is so valuable. And, you know, increasingly the amount of that print production training in even a four-year design degree is getting Mm -hmm. smaller and smaller. Yeah, absolutely. There's definitely things I wish that I learned prior to starting my, my career. And there's still so much that I am, you know, on the quest of learning still. So yep. yeah, it's definitely a long journey and, and I have such appreciation for printers and working with them directly because they are such a wealth of knowledge. And I think if you have really good vendor connections, it makes, it makes such a big difference with your work. Huge difference. Huge mm-hmm. difference. Awesome. That's a great one. Thanks so much for sending pictures along too. That sort of gives that like that reference point with it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so I'll take this down here, but the next one I want to ask you have you ever been a part of a print project that did not go as planned, did not turn out as you'd hoped, went sideways on press or whatever that was? Can you tell us about that project and that experience with it? Yeah, luckily I haven't had too many complete misfires. I think um, you know mistakes are inevitable. Uh, yes. The smaller ones are when you know I could, because I work with self-published authors. I think. Mm-hmm they get the final say. And I think that's, that's very exciting for self-published authors because they are in control of the design process. Similarly with clients, there's a lot of parallels with agency clients and self-published authors. Um, so they can make the ultimate decision on the paper stock. 
um, the cover stock and all that. So sometimes when I've ordered a client book off Amazon that I've just completed, um, I'll say, oh, I didn't think they were going to go with gloss because I recommended not to in this one. <laughs> so those aren't really mistakes, per perhaps, but not how things have have I've wanted them to come together. But um, definitely my biggest mistake was with a uh, a kid's book. And this was pretty early on where I something happened with the pagination last minute where I think I removed a page mm -hmm. and then all of the spreads were not lined up, <laughs> which, oh, no. which for a kid's book. And like, thankfully it was a small print run, but um, yeah, you can imagine, I think for any book, this would be a huge nightmare, but for a kid's book, especially because the story is based on the illustrations, they were yeah. all full page illustrations that I had drawn. And for whatever reason, I, I was also mad at the printer because <laughs> I was like, you should have seen this. It was so obviously wrong. And I obviously should yes. have seen it um, because the first proof was correct. And then that's why you always have to reproof. And that was a, a really important learning experience in early days. Uh, I didn't check it again with the two page view. <laughs> yep. And I was like, looks great. Yeah, that page is gone. Perfect. We don't need that. And for whatever reason, <laughs> just uh, let it go off to print. <laughs> so, so it was, was a bit devastating. <laughs> what was the result of that though? So you get finished, you, were you in the printer work it out and you had it redone like well or like what happened with that? Yeah, we got it redone. It was, um, everyone on the team was really fantastic. We were working with a kind of print vendor who was kind of like a middleman with the printer. Yep. Um, and then as well as the author who was self-published and a, and a self-publishing agency. So all of us collectively kind of like pooled resources to reprint. The yeah. printer did take ownership. I took some ownership. The author took some ownership. We were all kind of like so sorry this happened. Don't know how it happened. Yeah, well, let's all come uh, together and we'll make it right. Yeah, so we we did do a reprint and everything worked out fine. But it was, uh, you know, it's also just sad because it's a waste of paper and everybody's time. But it was a huge learning experience for all parties involved. That's for yes. sure. Yeah, and the, the moral of that story is that mistakes will happen. Yes. You can't anticipate all of it. Mistakes will happen. And at the pace that things are moving, it's mm -hmm. just inevitable. It's going to happen. Yeah. When they do happen, come together, have great relationships yes. and, and work together on a solution. That's yeah. It. And talk about it, have ownership over the problem and yeah, everything will be okay. It's not, I, I, you know, I think when you, when people say, you know, we're not doctors not, and when we make a mistake, it's not life-threatening yeah. yeah it's not oops shouldn't have cut that valve yeah for it's sure like that <laughs> yeah 100 percent. it's it's ink on paper at the end of the day yeah for sure um so now i want to do a deep dive into a specific print project again you had sent along some photos that i'll pull up on screen here i did not really look through these because again i just want to get that like that first experience the first questions that come mm -hmm. to me Things like that. Perfect. So give me a sec to just pull that up on the screen. You know, why don't you just start telling us about it? Yeah, I get for that sure. So um, the project that I chose is a recent one where I was working on a, a planner with um, a doula, actually. So she's out here in um, Vancouver, greater Vancouver area. Mm -hmm. And she, uh, I made the contact through a friend of mine who's a lovely illustrator, Catherine John. Shout out to Catherine John of Flow Studios in Vancouver. Nice. Um, she's an illustrator, graphic designer, lovely person to work with. And she said, you know, there's someone out out here who needs a um, planner designed, are you interested? And I, I think as a print designer, planners 
always come across as these beautiful, um, high quality, very like often minimal pieces. And I yeah. think when we talk about book design, um, you know, it's, we're usually looking at bold colors, trying to stand out in the thumbnail world of Amazon. And uh, it's not often that I get to work on a piece where we can be a little bit more subdued. Usually feedback with covers is like more, louder, brighter, yeah. <laughs> more yeah. bold. Make it bigger. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> so this was just an opportunity that I wanted to jump on to really, you know, still make something that is Fit, fit for the market that we're mm -hmm. after and yeah. uh, taking in all of those target audience considerations, but being able to not have it compete in a digital market space in the same way that and a, a book that's only on Amazon would. Yep. Um, so that's why this, this project was so exciting for me to be part of. That's cool. So it's the parent like a boss planner. Yeah. Um, what was the sort of the brief sort of story behind it? I guess mm -hmm. what is the brief behind this? Yeah. <laughs> so the brief brief is um, that Candace, who's a doula, she wanted to create a planner for really busy parents and mm -hmm. she wanted it to be incredibly inclusive as well. So not gendered in any way. It's meant mm -hmm. to be for any type of parent new or expecting. So that was an interesting consideration as well. It wasn't just for parents who are like had children it was for expecting parents as well so it had to kind of suit the needs of both um and she kind of she wanted this to come to be because she had been using various other planners that weren't really working out for her um and so she started to kind of just put together ideas of what could actually be in this as well as she kind of envisioned it as both a keepsake and something that you would just have in your purse for doctor's appointments and things like that. So you could own your, um, your health journey with being a new parent and expectant mm -hmm. parent and having, you know, there's place for doctor questions and appointment notes and things like that throughout as well. So it's just kind of cool. an archive almost of everything that you'd need for being a parent, which I'm sure there's, there's a lot of things a ton, that are no, needed there. Yeah. A ton. I've got three kids myself and like just you know, tracking all of that stuff. It's just, it's mayhem. Yeah, mayhem. absolutely. Yeah, so this is like the perfect tool for that. So mm -hmm. tell me a little bit about the, the production behind this thing. Like were you guys feeling papers and picking different papers? Like how did you decide on the binding and things like mm -hmm. that? How did those decisions come about? Yeah. So with the paper, we were really looking at a nice cream uh, card, uh, sorry, a paper here, a text weight. It's, mm -hmm. I think it's about 70 pounds. We did look at 80 pound as well, but it was making the journal too fat and too heavy. So it is an interesting uh, conversation there because there is a slight bit of ink bleed uh, or ghosting between the pages, but we figured that was mm -hmm. better than a giant heavy journal. Yeah, um, that's so, the yeah. constant balance that, you know, mm -hmm. in book form that you have to ride is um, you know, that show through. A lot of people don't like that show through. It's like, okay, yeah. well, if you don't want show through, you're making one thick book. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, I think as long as it's not super major. And of course we did, this was a, a case where I was working very closely with the printer and, mm -hmm. you know, writing on the paper as well, because another important piece with a planner is that you can't write on it and have it completely bleed through to the other page. That's kind <laughs> of sure. defeats the purpose. So I, I worked with Hemlock printers in Vancouver out here and they, you know, were just kind of, they're almost like collaborators at this point when you're looking at such uh, custom pieces. Um, mm -hmm. So then with the spiral bind, we were looking at, you know, I think everyone when they first start a print project, most people want 
they, you know, immediately they want hardcover. Um, but that's usually so cost prohibitive, especially because for a planner, if you want it to lay flat and write, you know, have a really nice smooth experience, you're going to want to do a really nice like sewn binding that can actually open properly. So we figured spiral was a great way to kind of breach that gap, have something that can open nicely. It still looks really nice because we can choose the color of this spiral and we actually yeah. match the um, the type color on the cover to match that antique kind of gold finish. Uh, so it was, a, it was a nice way to, there's, you know, I think budget constraints are what make us all creative because <laughs> no project is, uh, you know, no, no budgetary limits, which is, mm -hmm. you know, it's part of the process. And I think we came up with some interesting solutions on this one to make it work. 100%. And actually, one thing that you mentioned is, you know, being the flexibility of being able to pick the coil color, sort of make it a little bit more enticing, mm -hmm. rather than just uh, put it a put a coil on it. Yeah, like you can actually <laughs> think deeper about that and, and include that in the design process to mm -hmm. complement with colors and to make it feel like more of a cohesive experience rather than just the afterthought of how are we going to hold the pages together? Mm -hmm. Yeah, absolutely. I think with projects like this, and I'm, I'm working on another planner right now, I've started to really work with the printer at the very start of the project because mm -hmm. it can inform the design decisions that you're making. So, you know, if we can't afford to do foil or even try, you know, doing metallic ink or something like that, then we need to go another route, but at least we'll know at the very beginning what's even possible. And again, mm -hmm. with that spiral color, then we know that we can kind of, you know, we can't afford to do a deboss or a foil on the cover, but we can have a nice little design touch that still matches. And we did we did look into some textured stock for the cover as well, and it was out of budget because, yep. again, I'm working with a lot of um, self-published people. So th this is all out of po pocket for all the people that I work with. It's just mm -hmm. money that they've saved up because they have a dream project and they want to get something out in the world. So instead of going with a textured paper, we just used a really faint kind of watercolor paper background with a texture to it and then overlaid the watercolor art as well. hundred percent. Yep. And that's the thing, you know, when you have, when you're going to a customer who has done that and saved up some money to, to get this produced, you know, I, mm -hmm. I think I can afford it now. Let's go. You can't go back and say, okay, it's going to cost 10,000 bucks to, you got to be creative. You got to be flexible with that. Mm -hmm. Yeah, it's such a lot to manage, especially, you know, because there's design fees, of course. So of course, yeah. thinking about their unit costs with my fees on top of the print fees and anyone else that they're working with, like a proofreader, editor, it's just, it's a lot to consider for sure. Yeah, definitely. Um, so one thing I'm noticing as I'm looking through these pictures, and I might use the wrong terminology here. So if I do, correct me if I'm wrong. Yeah. But what I would call the brand of the book um, seems like is very cohesive because even when I look at a page like this, that's up on the screen now, you don't have like crisp formed lines. It's, mm -hmm. it's almost like it's, it's hand written across the, the yeah. dots, you know, dividing sections aren't perfectly even like it, it, there's, there's a, there's a hand created element to this. And that seems to tie in really well with the brand of the piece. Thank you. Yeah, it was a, definitely a, an important consideration for Candace and her brand. She uses a lot of um, kind of mint, uh, kind of eucalyptus tones mixed with purples, and it's all very natural. Even though this does kind of lean a bit feminine, we didn't want to completely, you know, 
mitigate men as well to use the yep. planner. The watercolor and the illustrations are already part of her brand. And she has this whole suite of beautiful illustrations created for her. Mm-hmm. So we played with those for various section opening pages, those flowers there. Um, yep. And to match that style, I hand drew, not every page, of course, but in the master styles of the uh, the InDesign document, I hand drew every page type. And then we obviously duplicated it for each each page. But Mm -hmm. it was a a lovely experience to kind of add that touch because we did have multiple different versions of laying out all this information. Because as, as I mentioned, there's just so much to include for new parents and expectant parents that Mm -hmm. we had a lot to try to finagle together. And then we did some user experience as well with some of her uh, community members to help us figure out if it was something that was actually going to be used properly and, and, you know, serve their needs first. And then once the pages were confirmed, then I did the hand drawing afterwards. That's cool. Yeah. It just really brings the whole thing together and stays in that, that line of, of hand. Uh, I want to use the word craft, but I don't know if mm-hmm. that's the, or that's the right fit for it, but it stays in that line, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah, for sure. I think it's a nice touch. And, and that's, you know, what people are drawn to with print, the tangible quality. So mm-hmm. in a lot of my work, a lot of my cover designs are hand drawn um, or painted. I just love kind of getting to work with my hands as much as possible. And then yeah. whenever it can show up, even on the interior is just a nice, a nice touch when it fits from a brand perspective, for sure. A hundred percent. Um, so with the photo up on screen here, you can really see the, the sort of vellum rough texture of that paper, mm-hmm. again, leaning toward that tactile experience with it. Yeah, for sure. And, and that's just all created with um, a watercolor texture printed on it. So we couldn't, we actually did get a print for an uncoated vellum textured paper as well. And it, uh, yeah, didn't work out. So that's all, that's all all CMYK. (laughs) Isn't that incredible how you can create such visual, you know, what looks like real visual texture Mm -hmm. just, just with print. Yeah. Yeah. It makes it work because again, budgets are, they will always be there. Even, even when you have a really high budget, you're still not going to want to do everything, be able to do everything that you want to do with a really high budget. There will always be something that you have to have to cut and, it's okay. <laughs> That's right. Budgets are a real thing. Yeah. <laughs> it's really dollars. Yeah. That's 100% true. Um, are you able to share any of the, like, the client ROI on this and, and sort of what, what's happened since they've you know, invested in creating this piece and sharing it with the world? Yeah, so that actually I can't share yet because she has um, taken Candace is you know a very busy doula, so she's taking her time off uh, from after creating this journal. She's been working mm-hmm. on her website to make sure that the launch is um, ready to go. And we finished this cool. um, a few months ago. Now I honestly can't. Time is flying, but <laughs> it's officially on her website now. <laughs> So it is available. But in terms of ROI, I think it's too early to tell, but she's done some pre-orders and giveaways and um, she has let me know that it's been well received so far. So awesome. That's on the right track. Yeah. (laughs) So from when she first approached you with the idea of what she wanted to create to holding a finished book in your hand, what is that timeline like? What's that timeframe? I think it was around four months or so. Um, and then printing the maybe three to four months and then printing was probably just a week or two after that. Um, Hemlock in Vancouver is fantastic and very quick. Um, I think boutique printers tend to be a lot faster than others, but, uh, Mm. yeah, it wasn't too long. It was more so having time to breathe with the, um, 
the text itself because oftentimes in design you especially when you're not working in an agency you're kind of becoming a bit of like a, a consultant slash you know project manager for the whole thing so there's things that kind of pull you out of the design and then we're just sitting with the text for a while um because yeah. we did have a lot of quotes that were going to be used throughout and some of them i was worried about permissions and things like that so we had to kind of halt <laughs> that moment and just make sure all the type was actually ready to go it was edited and all of that um because oftentimes people come to me without realizing that they should probably hire an editor <laughs> so, <laughs> those are things that need to be uh, addressed along the way 100%. There's definitely things that you come across in, in a lot of copy. We're like, you should really get this checked. Yeah, for sure. <laughs> yeah. And Candace knew she wanted to, you know, if you're putting money into a project, you know, definitely get it reviewed. And I think most people, yeah. once they realize that they're putting a, as quite a significant investment up that, uh, what's an extra, you know, X dollars to make sure that once it's received, it's not uh, disregarded because there's a typo or something like that. It's really important mm -hmm. to get that stuff right. Yeah. Yeah. The saying in print is that when, when a mistake is made, um, you know, when you're, when you're working on a project, it always seems like there's not enough time. There's not enough time, Yeah. but there's always time to reprint it. There's always time when you have to do it again. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Awesome. Um, the last question I want to sort of closely wrap up here with Jasmine is, you know, there's a number of designers that, you know, follow us on Instagram and are part of the podcast and listen to the podcast that want to get into print design. They want to start creating these tangible experiences. Um, maybe they've just graduated from their four-year degree program and they've got about this much print production training. Where would you suggest that they start? What advice would you give them to get started in print? Yeah, there. I feel like there's so much. I, I know I'm a young designer. I'm I'm new to the world as well. Um, I've been running my business for four years now, which seems both like a very long time and a couple of seconds of time. Um, <laughs> yes. But uh, I would say uh, one thing that really helped me early on, uh, especially when I just first started my business, was actually volunteer doing like volunteer graphic design for an organization yeah. that I appreciated. So I think. Um, a long time ago in my undergrad, one of my professors, I can't remember who said, you know, at least 10% of your efforts uh, in your job should go towards the good of the world. Um, if you can do more, that's fantastic, but at least 10% dedicate to doing something good. Um, so I kind of took that when I first started my business to uh, reach out to Evergreen Brickworks in Toronto because I love mm -hmm. the environment. As I said, I love getting outside and environmental protection. And I just said, you know, I, I can't, I don't have a car at the time. I can't get anywhere. So I can't help you plant trees, but I can help you design brochures. You know, I need to build a portfolio. I have design background. I can do it just, you know, I need, I need the work and I would love to be part of what you're doing. And that honestly, I think gave me such a robust portfolio to start applying for other things. Um, and I was volunteering my time for an organization that I really cared about. So I, I think it was a great way to start. I love that. You know, it sort of puts a little bit of a spin on that whole free work to build a portfolio concept, mm -hmm. right? And rather than going out there and designing, you know, birthday invitations for your nephew and, you know, whatever, which you can yeah. do, but you can still do those things. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but finding, you know, a nonprofit or something that you believe in, that you mm -hmm. feel strongly about and volunteering your services to them to build that portfolio. That's such like a, a great way to give back when you're not able to financially give back. Mm -hmm. Hmm. Yeah, is, for is sure. To go that route. So great advice. I haven't heard that. 
Yeah, I think it, it worked out really well. And the organization was so wonderful that we even, you know, had a relationship developed where every other project would be paid work. Nice. Um, so we worked together for, I think it was at least two years prior to moving here. And uh, I, I set them up with another designer friend of mine because they wanted someone local. But, you know, I think uh, most nonprofits would just be, you know, overwhelmed with joy that someone wants to do some of their comms for free. Mm. So it doesn't have to be a ton of time. I know that volunteering and interning is like such a privilege these days for everybody. Um, mm. So, you know, totally understand if you can't do it. But <laughs> if you can, a couple hours here and there, I think it can um, can do a lot of good for you and the organization. Awesome. That's great. And with that ab- awesome point, Jasmine, that is the end of the print design podcast. Thank you so much for being my guest today. It was awesome hearing about your journey to this book design field. And you were right by, you know, there isn't a lot of like book designers out there, like called book designers. Yeah. So (laughs) cool to hear what the inside of your world looks like. Yeah. Thank you so much for having me. It was great to chat. All right. That is the end of this week's episode. Thank you so much for listening here. If you are digging what you are hearing on the Print Design Podcast, head over to Apple Podcasts, Spotify, wherever you are listening to this thing and leave a rating and a review. Just helps other creatives and other designers out there who are looking to get into print, looking to learn more about print. Helps them find us. That's it. Thanks so much and we'll see you next week.